Welcome to the Debutens Podcast. I'm Kenny. You can find me on Twitter at SCTrojanDuck. I decided I'd start a podcast. I've been thinking about it for a while. Love college football, love pro football, and been on Twitter for a long time. So I just figured, why not uh, go on and give myself a platform to express my views? So here it is. I hope you like it. I wanted something straightforward. Sometimes you look at podcasts, don't know what to expect. You read the description, and you still don't know what's kind of going on during the episode. So I limited myself to 10 spots, you know, try to do everything in a, a group of 10. So that's uh, the Devi 10 comes from. So first up, and my first show will be the 10 Devi sleepers. Now these are guys maybe in deep leagues uh, you're drafting, but they're just more so guys you want to keep on your radar and next year will probably be going in your drafts and some people that can shoot up and end up being really high draft picks in the Devi next year. So I'm going over ADP. So when you hear the first person, it's just the uh, who's the most likely to be drafted in your leagues. And so when I get to the last one, you're probably not drafting them, but uh, it's a player I really like and just wanted to put out there. So if you're looking for somebody, you want to take a shot in a deep league, C2C league, they're definitely people you want to look at. So I'm going to start off uh, with an ADP of 105. At number 10 comes Tyler Algier. He's 5'11", 220 pounds. He was not rated. He was a zero-star recruit. In high school, he had 2,400 yards rushing and 29 touchdowns. He averaged about 10 yards a carry. Uh, as a true freshman, he was listed as a running back. For the year, he had nine carries and 49 yards. As a redshirt freshman, he was listed as a linebacker. Uh, he still had 17 rushes for 119 yards, 7 yards a carry. He had 3 receptions for 67 yards and a touchdown. As a sophomore, which was last season, he had 150 rushes for 1,130 yards and 13 touchdowns, which was 7.5 a carry. He had 14 catches for 174 yards and, and no touchdowns, but it shows he's a pretty explosive receiver. It's not like he's lacking there over 10 yards per reception. When I was watching Algiers film, he's just somebody with a great burst, especially at 220 pounds. You don't see people his size moving that fast, and he's also elusive for a big back. Uh, I see people that really like Kevin Harris. I don't. I just think he's really a jag. Um, and when you talk about, you know, when they talk about Kevin Harris and what they like, it's his size and how well he moves at his size. So if you like Kevin Harris, uh, you would really like Tyler Algier. He's like a, a better version of Kevin Harris, in my opinion. Um, he has plus vision, does a great job running uh, between the tackles and finding the lanes following his blocks. Uh, finishes runs off really well, and he has plus contact balance. At BYU, there was an interview that during the camp on uh, spring ball that BYU SN interview with David Nixon indicated that Algier ran a 439 so even if you know that's a generous you know if he's running high four fours low four fives at 220 pounds you know that's really moving and that's going to get him drafted rather highly the more I watch more I think he'll shoot up the draft boards I think he's somebody that you know there's outside chance he was drafted in your uh, Devi leagues. He gets compared a lot to Javante Williams because 
for one, he was a linebacker, just like Javante Williams was, but he's a big back with a burst, and Javante Williams ran in the high four fives. I think it was four five seven at his uh, at the combine or his draft day, whatever it was. And so Algier seems like he can move a little bit more than that. So you can see a similar rise in their draft status. So that's number ten, Tyler Algier. And, you know, I think he's probably somebody that you've seen drafted or, you know, in C2C leagues, you know, he's going in the single digit rounds. Next up at number nine, we have Aju Aju, the Clemson wide receiver. He's the 66th ranked wide receiver in his recruiting class and the 401st overall prospect. He has an ADP of 115. He's 6'3", 215 pounds, a really big boy. I actually think he's been said he's actually up into like that 230 pound range. Um, I think it was Mark Post reports he was 230 during the spring. Um, during his freshman season, he had two catches for 41 yards and one touchdown. Going back to his recruiting, he was the 66th ranked wide receiver in his class. He was 401st overall prospect. During his, his profile on 24-7, John Garcia Jr. comped him to A-Rob. In Canada, he holds a high jump record in province of Alberta. He was also the slam dunk champion. When he was in camp uh, prior to his senior year, Dabo Sweeney said uh, he's a freaky skill kid. Commented he didn't know about that Aju Aju didn't even know how to come out of his stance in the camp. So, you know, you see how big of a jump he is. You know, he went from not knowing how to line up to one of the top overall recruits and a huge spring performance. You know, he's a really big athletic kid. He has these monster hands. You know, they just, you, you can't see the ball in, when he's holding it. Questions about his speed, that's going to be the biggest mark. You know, what, what's his testing time? It, does it translate? Is he just going to be this big kid that gets by on his size, which seems like the NFL is trying to get away from? Uh, I believe he's, he's fast enough to get by, you know, if he can learn all the nuances of the position. The big play during his freshman season uh, was versus Georgia Tech. He uh, took a screen pass for a touchdown where he broke a tackle and showed off his yak ability. The dude's just a football player. I, I see a role like, you know, Frank Ladson's over at Clemson. I'm not very high on him. I love uh, Joe Ngata. I think Joe Ngata is going to break out. You got Justin Ross. Um, you know, you got Williams and everything. But I, I think Aju Aju is somebody who can really carve out a role in that offense. And, you know, he can really thrive with DJU at quarterback. You know, DJU loves to throw it downfield. So I think Aju Aju will have some really big games and, you know, kind of put himself on the map this season, just like he did in the spring game. He was just a monster there. So that was number nine, Aju Aju. At number eight, we got Devin Neal. He's actually a true freshman going to Kansas. Uh, he's listed at 5'11", 208 pounds. Uh, he was a 27th ranked running back in this class, the 409th overall recruit. He has no verified times. He was a three-star recruit composite ranking. 24-7 actually had him as a four-star recruit. And they were much higher on him than the composite seems to be. Barton Simmons compared him to Kashawn Vaughn. I really like Kashawn Vaughn when he was coming out in the draft. You know, some of the reports heading into camp was uh, last year was the Buccaneers didn't like that he wasn't studying right and everything else so they kind of led to a disappointing rookie season but he has the skills required to be good in the 
NFL. It's just a matter of if he puts it all together. So, you know, that I don't think that's a negative uh, when you're talking about him. Um, on tape, when I was watching Devin Neal, he, he just looks different than everybody else when you're watching the tape. You know, there's very few guys that you watch the tape and are on his level. He just kind of does everything well. He's a great receiver. He runs with size. He runs with power. He's able to break tackles. Just a great all-around player. The biggest issue was his level of competition. Where he was at, you know, I guess there was really poor level of competition. It's not like some of the IMG Academy who's playing the top people you know, programs in the, the nation. So that really hurt him. But besides that, I was listening to one of the podcasts and they were talking to one of the scouts from 24 seven. Again, I don't remember if it was the up next podcast or why wait till Sunday. Um, when they were talking about running back recruits, they asked him, you know, uh, about some of the lower rank guys. And the first name that came out of his mouth was Devin Neal. And he's like, yeah, I know you're probably talking about Devin Neal. You know, he's somebody that some of our scouts just love. You know, he's very, you know, divisive because, you know, he he's so thrilling to watch on tape. You know, he has everything you want in a running back. But he was saying one of the biggest issues is, like I said, you know, it was a poor competition. And then he didn't camp at all. He wasn't able to go to any of the camps. So um, he has no verified times. You know, they don't know how fast he is. So they don't know if it's just he looks really good versus bad competition or he's just you know a supreme athlete his competition is okay and you know he was just able to destroy everybody because he's this freaky gifted person i do know in at kansas camp they're saying he had like a 38 39 inch vertical jump you know he's up to you know 215 220 pounds and he's squatting a thousand pounds you know he's just ridiculous what he's got going on there and, you know, I was back and forth with him and Corey Kiner in my rankings. For a while, I had Corey Kiner higher, you know, and I think at LSU, you know, he's more in the national spotlight. Uh, there's a big opening at LSU. And so I really like Corey Kiner, and I wasn't sure exactly what Devin Neal was going to do in Kansas. So, But when they hired Lance Leopold, that kind of answered a lot of the questions I had as far as usage and what he was going to look like this year. If you know Lance Leopold, he was just at Buffalo and Jarrett Patterson, who's, you know, the size of some, you know, what I was when I was in junior high and the, all the players I played against in junior high, you know, he's going in the NFL at that size, but he was putting up 2000 yards. And then, you know, his backup, the number two running back in the Buffalo offense was putting up over a thousand yards. So you got that coming to Kansas, you know, you have that scheme and running system, which it may be altered because he'll be dealing with a lot better recruits with uh, Kansas than he had at Buffalo. But if you're just looking at the raw numbers, you know, Devin Neal is by far the best prospect that Lance Leopold ever had. And he's walking into there. So, you, you know, you could be expecting a thousand yards to 1500 yards this year. And then, you know, it will be up from there. So if he could put up that type of yardage being, you know, his size, speed and all of his testing ability, he's just going to be somebody that shoots up and ends up being, you know, first or second uh, round Debbie pick in you know a depleted draft just because he's the one that people missed and you shouldn't miss him because he's really good and if you have watched this film you know most people that watch film see the same thing you know so you know in the C2C he's somebody that really should be going you know maybe around round 10 11 right around there because you know Jared Jared Patterson while he was at Buffalo he had 1800 yards in 13 games 
his sophomore season, and then this last year he had 1,072 yards in six games. So again, you're talking about a 12-game season. He's over 12, uh, 2,000 yards this year. And then his backup, Kevin Marks, freshman year he had 845 yards. Sophomore year he had 1,035 yards. And then he had 741 yards in seven games last year. So again, even his backup was going for 1,500 yards. And one of the things with Devi that I think gets lost is not just how much we like these guys, but how much their stock going to improve and when you're putting up 1500 yards you know if he goes for over a thousand as a true freshman regardless of what you think of him as a prospect his draft value is going to go up so if you don't really like him then you can flip him at that time but he's somebody i really think is going to see a huge rise in you know stock from his freshman year to his sophomore year once he kind of gets on the map out there and you know lance leopold starts turning that program around so he's my number eight Devin neal the 133rd overall according to ADP right now. Next up at number seven is running back Blake Corum out of Michigan. His ADP is 147. He's 5'8", 200 pounds. Recruiting wise, he was the 12th running back in last year's class, the 200, uh, 2020 class. He was 129th overall recruit. He does have some buzz around him. You know, there's a lot of people that are in on him. However, you know, being that he was 129th overall recruit, he really didn't get as much publicity as a lot of other guys in that class. He was, has a reported 4-4-4-40. Last year, he had 26 rushes. You know, in his true freshman season, he has 26 rushes for 77 yards and two touchdowns. He had five receptions for 73 yards and zero touchdowns. Brian Don comparing him to Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is, as you, know, you all know, he's a great NFL player, top 10 running back, uh, top five running back as well. Undersized, I think he's like 208, 209 pounds. So that kind of probably why he got comp to him because he's 5'8", 200 pounds. You know, definitely able to get to that 208 pounds at his size. So Blake Corum, he lined up at wide receiver at times. He has a great burst, natural receiver, which is good for his size really good in space you know he knows how to manipulate the defenders he needs to develop between the tackles gets impatient you know sometimes he just really tries to press and make something happen or you know doesn't wait for his blocks to develop so that's something he really needs to work on his frame is going to be a concern obviously you know 5'8 200 pounds you know what's he able to fill out to you definitely want somebody who's able to get to you know over 210 but you really want him more towards 220 and I don't think that's in his you know he's going to be able to do that so the athletics Austin Meek has quorum as a breakout star for next season uh, his offensive coordinator Gaddis said that he saw growth in uh, quorum's patience he now has shows an understanding of letting his blocks develop I was reading a lot of reports out of Michigan's camp and everybody was raving about him. Everybody thinks he's going to end for a big season. You know, he, he seems like he's going to uh, keep away some of the incoming uh, competition and take that lead, uh, lead job and be the lead back for Michigan. And, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, give them <laughs> a decent season. They, they've had some rough times recently and Harbaugh's not, you know, making any friends as the head coach there. So, Hopefully, uh, Blake Quorum will help turn the program around with J.J. McCarthy and really start making some noise up there and give Ohio State a run for the, the Big Ten title. So um, that was number seven, Blake Quorum with an ADP of 147. Next up at number six 
is Gary Bryan out of USC. His ADP right now is 170, which is just way too low in my opinion. He's 5'11", listed at 170 pounds. He was a four-star recruit, 46th overall prospect in the wide receiver seven in the 2020 class. Besides, you know, despite his overall ranking, he was somebody that really didn't get drafted last year in any of my Debbie drafts. I had one deep draft where I took him and you know he was going to you know much later than guys listed behind him you know when i took him you know the, there was already a, like josh downs and some other guys you know lower ranked were already taken and you know for where he was at he just does not seem like he gets the same type of respect that other guys in his uh, you know range or, you know his uh, ratings would normally get Greg Biggins comped him to Robert Woods, Bobby Trees, you know, which is great. So last year, for as a true freshman, Gary Bryant had seven receptions for 51 yards. Then he had eight returns for 210 yards, which was a 26.3 yard average. He's an explosive wide receiver that can really challenge DBs down the field. That's something that USC's offense lacked last year. They also brought in Taj Washington, and, uh, you know, I think... Uh, Slovis had his own issues last season, you know, and I don't think even having explosive wide receivers would have done much because of, you know, what he was going through. But now that he's had time to rest his shoulder and kind of get his confidence back, I really think, you know, having Taj Washington, Gary Bryan out there is going to allow him to, uh, you know, really attack defenses. I think Graham Harrell is going to use that and, you know, he's going to be able to really dial up a lot of plays and be more diverse than he was last year. You know, I, I, the offense was super simple. I don't know if it was COVID. I don't know if it was Slovis's shoulder arm issues or just a lack of diversity in the, the room. None of them were really these speed demons. You know, they're just, you know, great wide receivers and you want them but nobody really challenged you know the dbs didn't have to worry about the somebody just taking the top off and that's what gary bryant can do you know with taj washington being there it might not be as as clear cut but he you know he was the most dynamic wide receiver as he has you know has great hands body control if you go back and watch the army all-american game he was a clear standout he cut a deep pass from Bryce Young. You know, they showed a great rapport. Bryce Young called an audible at the line. It was kind of telling him what to do, and he caught it. You know, he just dusted the defense off for a huge touchdown pass. You know, he caught a crossing pass that showed really good yak afterwards. He almost made this, you know, crazy, you know, deflection, you know, falling over pass that ended up hitting the ground but you know it just showed that you know he has that ability you know uh, he could have easily caught that or you know if it was a little bit better ball he probably would have come down with it so you know when you watch that you see a lot of things that you know you can expect this year and can really add to SC's team this season so uh you know and not so much this year you know I think he's going to do really well with Slovis but when Jackson Dart takes over next year I think he's really going to uh, unlock Gary Bryant or, you know, Gary Bryant's going to, you know, feast off of Jackson Dart's ability to challenge the defenses downfield. So I'm really hoping, you know, with uh, everything happened with Brew McCoy not being there anymore, Gary Bryant has a clear shot to be the starter opposite of Drake London. But, 
even if he's not, you know, they, they run three wide receivers pretty much every play. They almost had 3,000-yard wide receivers the past couple of years. Two years ago, Michael Pittman went for 1,200. Amon Ra went for 1,000. Tyler Vons was, like, just under 1,000. And Drake London had, like, 500 yards or something. And I think that's well within reason, you know, with their sets. You know, Drake London's going to have a big year. But I think... Bryant will probably be number two in the pecking order. And, you know, if as long as he stays healthy, I could see him flirting with a thousand yards and same for Taj Washington. And then, you know, you got some of the rookies and stuff coming in or the freshmen coming in, uh, Michael Jackson, uh, Man Jack, and some of these other guys that are looking for looking like they can produce in that fourth spot. So really good wide receiver core. I think Bryant is going to be the name to watch. Um, in the spring, you know, they were saying Slovis and him had a huge, you know, really good rapport. Slovis was looking to him pretty consistently. It was unfortunate. He hurt his hamstring in the spring game, so we didn't get to see him besides, I think, one target. And then he was out the rest of the spring. So, you know, he's somebody, you know, you really should be looking on. If you got, you know, a pick, pretty depleted draft, I would look to him in the later rounds because I think he's somebody that can uh, rise up pretty, pretty well. Going down next at number five is Sam Laporta. Um, he has an ADP of 171. He's a tight end from Iowa. Uh, he's listed at 6'4", 249 pounds. He was a three-star recruit, the number fifth, uh, 55th ranked tight end in the 2019 class. He was listed at like 200 pounds, I think, when he was uh, entering college, and he's up to 249. So you can just tell how much weight he's put on and really embraced the switch to tight end. As a true freshman, he had 15 catches for 188 yards, 12 and a half uh, reception over six games. As a true sophomore, he was had 27 receptions for 271 yards which is just over 10 yards of carry uh one touchdown over eight games so it's not like he's this huge producing tight end but when i was reading about him and watching him and you know i followed him pretty closely a lot of it was they were trying to teach him how to block and he actually was doing very well he was excelling as a blocker and so then they were just letting him they they knew his receiving ability was there so now they're going to be uh you're really looking for him to explode in that category. During his freshman season, he was really big in their win versus SC in the Holiday Bowl. He had six catches for 44 yards, and he was just a security blanket for the QB in that game. He's a good blocker. He snaps off his routes really well. He has solid hands, and he's really good at working his way through traffic. You know, that's one of the things where you see him just kind of navigating through the linebackers and making himself available to the QB, which is what you want to see from tight ends. He ran a lot of drags. I watched a lot of his catches came on drags. You know, he's fairly decent after the catch. You know, he's not going to be George Kittle out there just, you know, running away from guys. But, you know, he has enough ability to, you know, make a guy miss and get the first down. Um, there's questions about his straight line speed, which I don't really get. You know, I just think, you know, the way he's used at Iowa doesn't allow you to see what he's really able to do or just showcase his athletic ability. At JR Rock MO, um, he's a recruiting analyst for MizzouInsiderZone.com. Indicated, you know, his senior year in high school, he ran a 4'6", 140, had a 9'8", inch broad jump, 
a 36 uh, inch vertical and that was done at the nebraska camp so you're talking about he was at 200 pounds at that time or so so you know he's four six one forty you know i definitely would not be surprised if he's under you know he runs a sub four seven at the combine and starts moving up uh the draft boards at that time i was a tight end factory there's somebody that you just want to kind of look at their next guy and you look in his background being a wide receiver converted to tight end you know doing it as soon as he stepped on campus and you know excelling as a blocker i think those are all really positive for him and he's embraced the leadership role and uh, they just talk about what he's doing to that room in general so really excited for him up next at number four wide receiver out of texas troy O'Meary. his Debbie adp wasn't listed where i was checking it out so the next group of guys are not listed you know in the top 200 overall Debbie players so i went to their c2c adp to just kind of rank these next guys so at some point during his his ranking i was looking back at it you know some point during his senior year he was the 95th overall rated recruit i don't know what ended up happening you know that kind of dropped him from there but you know he was a top 100 recruit at some point he's 6'3 230 pounds he was a four-star recruit the 40 43rd ranked wide receiver the 241st overall prospect he ran a 46940 with a 437 short shuttle and a 32 inch vert at his size the verticals you know pretty good you know the 469 while it's not great you know a lot of high school kids run in you know the high four sixes low four sevens and end up you know running sub four fours at the combine so how he develops his speed is going to be more important than what he ran as a senior in high school he's a big kid so with the knee injury so that will be a concern it definitely will be a concern so he was an early enrollee as a true freshman he was a standout at uh, the spring camp until he tore his acl it took him a full year to recover he was back for this spring and he was listed with the starters which is a really great sign you know that was the other thing as a true freshman he was listed as a starter before he went down with injury so he came back for the spring this year and he was listed as a starter again if you know steve sarkeesian took over at texas so even though there was a switch in coaches he still maintained that starting spot without even playing as a true freshman which is just really shows you what they think about his ability you know in the spring game this year he cut a, i think it was about a 22 yard pass so he was wearing a no contact jersey so nobody was able to touch him it's a little concerning he was a year removed from his surgery full year and you know when he was running after the catch you, you can see him kind of like stretch his knee you know kind of kick his knee behind him kind of checking it so you tell it's just some mental blocks that he has to overcome but it just seemed like you you see a lot of these guys coming back nine months after their knee surgery and so he'd been a full year removed taking most of the camp to finally get some clearance to practice just a little concerning but we'll see where he goes from here he has great ability the one thing you notice is just his hands and his body control there was one catch he was bent over at his waist fully extended and caught it with his hands one-handed you know fully extended bent over at the waist it was just really impressive and he was making those type of catches all spring during his freshman season so you know it's really projecting with him and one thing with steve sarkeesian he comes from the lane kiffin norm chow coaching tree and you've really seen him be able to exploit his best receiving option you can load up the receiving yards you saw what happened with devonta smith last year you know jerry judy had some big performances 
Juju Smith-Schuster, I, when he was at SC, had some big years. Lane Kiffin, prior to him, had Marquise Lee at USC, and Steve Sarkeesian was on the staff there. So you just see the, the, he can really funnel targets to his number one or number two wide receiver. I think there's a good chance that's Troy O'Meary. Xavier Worthy is making a lot of noise right now in camp. He's a speed wide receiver, so he's somebody I can definitely see being used in that capacity. But Troy O'Meary, I really do think he can end up being that high-volume player in the Texas offense. And with Sarkeesian there, they get some decent QB play. Again, you can see him be really productive and ended up shooting up the draft boards. So that was the number four overall sleeper, Troy O'Meary. Next up at number three is wide receiver Corey Rucker out of Arkansas State. In C2C drafts, he has an ADP of 208. He's listed at six foot one inch, 190 pounds, ran a 4.57 in high school. I also saw it reported he ran a 4.46, and that was per Coach Watt 225 of Full Spectrum Recruiting Services. According to 24-7 Recruiting, he was the 214th ranked wide receiver, three-star recruit in the 2020 class. At the Southern Elite Combine, he was named as a camp standout with a group that included Antonio Harmon, Cameron Wright, Brandon Buckhalter, and Deion Smith, who's a 69th ranked recruit in the 2021 class, ninth ranked overall wide receiver. So being in a group with those guys and standing out was a really good sign. During his freshman season, it was a condensed. He played in six games versus Kansas State. He, in his first game, he had two catches for 39 yards versus Central Arkansas. He had one catch for 56 yards and a touchdown. Uh, versus Georgia State. He had two catches for 40 yards. Appalachian State, one for five. Versus Troy, one for three. And the big performance that everybody knows him for was versus Louisiana Monroe in his last game of the season. He ended up going for nine catches, 310 yards, and four touchdowns. I believe I saw that was a freshman record as far as yardage, but he just blew up there. When I was watching his highlights, watch one where I watched him get chased down and was little like, ah oh, man, I wish he had a little bit more overall speed. But when I went back and watched the, the game you know, from the start to finish, he had already had a really put on a lot of yards by that point. I just think at the end of the route, he was t- probably didn't have the same burst as he did earlier in the game. So I'll give him a pass there because there's another play where he was, uh, you know, neck and neck with the DB down the field and the QB threw it up to him. And when the ball was in the air, he was already at full speed or he looked like he was running at full speed. And he just he had that second gear to really separate from the DB catch up to the ball. I just think it showed his ability that he's one of those athletes that when the ball is in the air, he's going to find a way to catch up to it. I think that just shows I I think he's going to test really well when he gets to the combine. And I just think his overall skill set, he's somebody that can end up being first, second round draft pick when his time comes. If you can build on that for C2C purposes, he's somebody you really want to target. If you look back at Arkansas State's contributors in the receiving core recently. You'll see guys like Jonathan Adams. Last year, Jonathan Adams as a senior had 77 catches for 1,111 yards and 12 touchdowns. His junior season, he had 62 receptions for 851 yards and five touchdowns. The year prior to that, Omar Bayless just went bananas. He had 93 receptions for 1,653 yards and 17 touchdowns. Kirk Merritt was there and Uh, that same season he had 70 catches for 806 yards and 12 touchdowns so again c2c purposes those guys are are just really good targets 
and he's kind of a safe bet to pick up over a thousand yards and get you about 12 touchdowns based on what the guys in that offense are doing and again with his recruiting pedigree you know I think he's a better recruit than anybody else have had Kirk Merritt was pretty good when he went in there you know I, I think you know with his skill set where he's at what he's going to be able to do he's somebody that could end up being a, a surprise pick for you definitely a C2C guy also Jeff Foreman's there he's a kid that in a C2C league you want to keep tabs on he finished the season with three consecutive 100 yard games so he was a little bit more consistent than Corey Rucker was but he was a redshirt freshman he's a big play guy he averaged over 30 yards per reception which is just crazy it was 33.8 yards per reception when I was going back and looking you see Corey Rucker winning a variety of different ways especially in that last game but he could win deep, he could win short, you know, he could take the slant routes to the house. And when you're watching Jeff Foreman, the kid's like 150 pounds. You just real thin, Devonta Smith type player. But he was really taking advantage of soft coverages. You know, when I was watching him, he was running free behind the DBs. Whereas you, you were watching Corey Rucker beat coverage. You know, he wasn't left, you know, uncovered or anything. So I think Jeff Foreman's somebody who can really produce for you i don't really know what his nfl upside is i think Corey rucker is definitely going to be drafted as long as he continues on his projection in the spring game this year he had something like 100 or 10 catches for like 120 yards he was just you know, putting it to them they have a pretty decent structure there he's going to get noticed and i i th really like this kid you know he's one of my favorite c2c guys and definitely somebody i'm going to be drafting and debbie drafts next year unless he regresses a lot so that was number three Corey rucker from arkansas state so now at number two is daniel Ingata. he's uh from arizona state he's an all-purpose running back c2c wise he's the 271st overall player being drafted he's listed at 5'9 185 pounds What's really crazy is he was in the 2020 uh, recruiting class. He was a number three all-purpose rated back, 125th overall. So it's really crazy. He's being drafted at 271, but that just goes back to DeMonte Trainum and Rashad White taking over the starting, the one-two gig there. And Nagata had a really tough time getting going last year. Last season, he had 26 carries for 108 yards and one touchdown, and he had one reception for 16 yards. When he was coming in 24-7, Brandon Huffman uh, comped him to CMC. Great hands, it can make command the slot. It's not saying he was going to be CMC, but I think especially when you're looking at college and the way he produces in college, I think he was supposed to have a similar type role as much of a receiver as he is a running back. And just being a running back that can do that, he was in line to be really productive. But he kind of fell to the shadows at Arizona State. He has good contact balance for his size, which is pretty surprising. He's a s smaller guy, so seeing him be able to break through track tackles and you know, run between the tackles was really good. He has a, He's a great receiver, and that's going to kind of be his calling card, and I think that's the way he can see the field this year, even with those two guys in front of him. I, I do think there's an ability for him to put up some yardage and make a name for himself regardless of the competition he's facing he has really good vision i think that helps him a lot overcome his size issues his size is always going to be a barrier if you're looking at the draft and what they value in the nfl he's going to have to put on 20 pounds to really even have a shot at day two draft capital that's quite a bit of weight but if you're looking at 
his ability to be a receiver and everything else, I think he can still be somebody that is productive as a fantasy asset in the NFL. You know, he has plus athleticism, and that's the thing. With his athleticism, vision, and everything else, he can be very dynamic. It goes back to his confidence. You know, he is undersized, and he was not very decisive as a true freshman. And I think that's what, when you watch his film, he wasn't sure what he was going to do, how he was going to attack it. He wasn't confident in the playbook, or just the size and speed of the college competition was too much for him to last season, and he didn't get acclimated because of all the COVID stuff going on. So he fell behind the two guys that were ranked uh, below him when Rashad White and Chip Trainum. Chip Trainum's a guy I absolutely love. You know, he's a big back who had good bursts for his size, and if he can make it just good bursts in general. I think, you know, he's on his way to day two draft capital and somebody the NFL is going to love. And Rashad White was just really explosive. He came out of nowhere and he averaged over 10 yards a carry, which was spectacular. And those two form a one-two punch and a good balance between them. So he's really going to have to assert himself to get into that conversation. Again, he was hesitant and indecisive as a true freshman. But in the spring ball, he was considered a standout. Pretty much every report I read from the spring camps at ASU indicated he was really he's more decisive this year he was really hitting the hole hard and making some big plays and the coaches even made a point to say he was more decisive this year so you know it, it was really good to see that I think he's somebody you're always looking for running backs and I definitely think he's a guy who can see a big jump in his stock with a, a pretty good performance once Rashad White leaves and everything else I, I think he's somebody that will be on the radars next year for sure just want to throw Elijah Badger out there He's another player. He misses true freshman season with academics uh, at ASU, but by all reports, he was the best offensive wide receiver. He was overshadowing the guys they had over there. Just took the thunder away from Johnny Wilson and LBS over there. So he, he's somebody you want. I wanted to get some more running backs on this list because I think it, anybody that plays fantasy football, you're really looking for those running backs. Wide receivers tend to be plentiful. And you can find them pretty much anywhere. You can even depleted rookie drafts. You're picking up some pretty good freshmen or, you know, some pretty good wide receivers. But the running backs are few and far between. So if you can find somebody, you're just one step ahead. So he's definitely somebody that can be a Debbie asset, highly recruited. And with his overall skill set, he's somebody that you want to be looking into. And... Now it gets us to our last but not least, the number one Debbie sleeper, at least the lowest rated. So, you know, he's the least likely to be drafted out of all these guys I've talked about. But I have a personal affection for this guy, and I really like him. And I definitely think he's going to be somebody you see getting drafted pretty regularly next year. And that is one Henry Parrish out of Ole Miss. He's going 389th overall on C2C drafts, which is just ridiculous. And that's way too low for a guy of his ability. He was the 18th overall running back and the 227th overall player in the 2020 recruiting class. He was a four-star recruit out of Florida. He was at one point he was listed five foot ten inches, 172 pounds or something like that prior to his senior year. But by the time the season started, if for his true freshman year, he's listed at 5'10", 190 pounds. So he put on some weight. He has a frame where it looks like, you know, he can get to that 210 pounds, over 205, 210. I think he can get there. So I don't think his weight is going to be an issue for him at all. So, yeah, he has the frame to be a really good running back there. 
Last year, he played in eight games. He had 56 rushes for 263 yards and two touchdowns, and he had seven receptions for 59 yards. His big play, I believe, was against LSU. He made this one-handed catch. The pass, it was a little dump off, but the pass was high and behind him, and he just reached up you know, to his ear and snagged it, with a, snagged it with one hand. As soon as he did that, there was a guy coming at him, and he made a cut. So as soon as he caught the ball and turned his head, he was able to make a cut and make the guy miss. After that game, Link Kiffin commented, he makes plays like that every practice. He's somebody with great lateral agility. When you watch him, you know, he's able to make these cuts without losing speed and really shift his uh, uh, rushing lane. Good receiving ability. He wasn't just at one catch. He's somebody who, who's a really good receiver out of the backfield. And one thing I noticed is he needs to lower his shoulder and finish the runs better. He's trying to make everybody miss, even at the tail end of runs. Rather than trying to get that extra yard, he'll try to make a little cut and try to get around him. When things are at an end, I would prefer just lower his head and get that extra one, two yards. So his first real exposure last year as a true freshman was against Vanderbilt. He ended up rushing for seven rushes for 51 yards. You know, when I watched that game, because I had an interest in him, because I, I liked the kid, I picked him up in a really deep league last year looking at that game and when you watch it you're like dude that kid just earned extra touches he's gonna be used a lot thereafter you think i even posted that on twitter he's earned more touches with this performance sure enough in the last five games of the season he saw seven or more touches in all of them versus lsu he had a really good game 16 rushes for 82 yards and two touchdowns and he had four receptions for 27 yards what i found really interesting is i was listening to the debbie debate they were talking about Ole Miss's running back room, and they mentioned Snoop Connor, and they miss, uh, mentioned Jerrion Ely, but they didn't mention Henry Parrish. And I find that odd because when Jerrion Ely missed the outback bowl with his uh, shoulder, it was actually Henry Parrish that started that game. Snoop Connor didn't start it. Snoop Carter actually he had better overall stats in that game. I just think the run game was stuffed, and I would have liked uh, Henry Parrish to have a better game there. But I think you know being a true freshman. Snoop Connor being a little bit more seasoned, I think that was just kind of showed what the Ole Miss staff think of Henry Parrish, and they think of him as starter replacement for Jerry Neely. There was talk recently that Jerry Neely was working with wide receivers, and he's going to be featured as a wide receiver a lot more, which I think is really good for his NFL prospects. But what that means is I think we're going to see a lot more Henry Parrish this year. And, you know, if it holds true what held true last year, he's going to be the guy that's taking the rock and it won't be Snoop Connor. So if you were looking for that second guy in the Ole Miss backfield and the future of that backfield, which is what you want because it's very productive, Ole Miss is putting guys to the NFL, my money is going to be on Henry Parrish. I'm definitely not saying to draft him, especially in shorter leagues. But what I am saying is that, you know, watch him, keep an eye on him. I really think he's going to assert himself this year. You'll be featured in that Ole Miss offense. If something happens to Jerry and Ely, which is possible, seeing that he's a really small back, or that he's going to be lined up at as a receiver, he's somebody that, again, can be very predominant in next year's drafts. Somebody that you, you may say see go in every single Debbie draft that you're in, and especially in C2C, if he's not taken, which he should be, he's somebody you're going to want to keep on the waiver wire. Keep an eye out for him because he can be somebody who contributes to your team in college. And I definitely think he has a future in the NFL if he can add that size to him. With his receiving ability, he definitely has a third down skill set. But I think there's more in there for him, and I think he can potentially be a day two pick You know, if things break right. So 
that's the Debbie Tens podcast. Henry Parrish was the, the last guy I brought up there. He's probably the, the one that's getting drafted less out of all these guys. But just keep an eye out for him. If you're in C2Cs, these are all guys that are taken or maybe you want to target and, and draft. But if you're sitting there and you're in a really deep Debbie league and you're not sure who you want to pick in the draft, these are all guys that you can kind of look at. And I think all of them are going to be drafted much higher next year. I think they're all really good players and, you know, they can be somebody that contribute for your team. So I hope you like the podcast. Follow along and hopefully we can have some fun in here. All right. Take care.